0: Welcome to Central Assemblies podcast. Today's message is from a guest speaker. We pray this message speaks to you. So if you've been with us at Central uh, for over three years, then you know Pastor Steve Bradshaw. He served as our youth pastor uh, for five years and he has uh, moved to Independence, I almost said Indianapolis, Independence, Missouri, where for the last three years he's been uh, the lead pastor of another Central Assembly of God. So he just moved from central to central. But we are so pumped to have him. I, 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 was, uh, I was honored uh, to be able to just share an office wall with him where we would carry on, and most of the time, productive conversations. But no, I, we, we grew to be, uh, be friends and partners in ministry and so on. So uh, when I knew that he was coming, uh, the Lord just prompted me to ask him if he had a word from the Lord uh, to share with his body. And I just didn't want to just ask somebody because they were in town or whatever. So after we talked and he knew that we were headed into summer advance, I found out that he had preached on Luke, the book of Luke, for the last eight months, you said? For eight months they've spent on Luke. Now, you might not know this, but the author of the book of Acts is Luke. Luke, uh, Acts is the follow-up book to Luke. So we felt like it was from the Lord that it was fitting that he would preach on uh, the book of Luke, the entire book in the next 35 minutes, uh, on aspects of the book of Luke, the person of Luke. And I believe it is a great launching point to give you context for the book of Acts where we're headed. So why don't you go ahead and honor Pastor Steve and Brooke, Ethan, Molly. Yeah. All right.
1: Praise the Lord. Too much. Sit down, sit down, sit down. Oh my goodness. So familiar, uh, so different, uh, just a great opportunity. I'm so blessed to be a part of this weekend. Thank you, uh, Dale and Teresa, for, for inviting us to be a part of the wedding yesterday um, in Christian and Diana's life, and, uh, we are just, uh, we're just overwhelmed. It's very cool to be back. Uh, we went and drove by our house and, uh, looked at it and we were gonna knock, you know, and, but we didn't. And, uh, but I noticed, uh, that, you know, just like the trees are just, like, bigger. Like, how did that happen? Like, I guess I did the same thing, three years. We, we expand our ministries, right? Anyway, um, but no, it's been fantastic. We were just outside of Kansas City, Missouri. Um, when we left Central, we knew that God was calling us to lead ministry. We didn't have that exactly lined up where that was going to be yet. We did get a chance to come back and get our stuff uh, and, and share with everybody. That is right, Pastor Kurt. We did come back. We just talked a few minutes ago in that when we came and got all our stuff out of the, the storage unit. Anyway, um, and uh, we, we went and we launched and, and began a revitalization project at a church uh, Central Assembly West Side. You know, throw some gang symbols, uh, but uh, you know they've been there for since like 1959, and uh, the church has just—it's uh, been a staple in the community. Uh, never got very large of a church. It's—it's it's, uh, its just a community church. Uh, when we got there, they had been without a pastor for about 14 months, and. Uh, they were just having somebody come in and preach and, and basically cover those bases, and the faithful parts of the church were just giving and serving and blessing, and, and they were just keeping things rolling, and uh, they needed leadership, and God uh, tapped on our shoulders and united us with them, and uh, it's just been a great, a great connection uh, for these three years or two and a half, a little over two and a half, almost three years now, and uh, God's just moving in our body uh, at the church. He's, he's recentering us on what, what the church is really all about. Uh, that's where part of the gospel of Luke jumped in our hearts, and that's where we shared that this last year. We believe that God was speaking that to us when Pastor Kurt shared that the book of Acts is where you're going. That was like, man, that's just really cool because we've been digging into the first half, and now you guys are going to jump into the second half. It's really awesome. Uh, you don't feel that connection because, you know, we're way over there, but or <laughs> there, anyway, whichever way we're facing. But, uh, but no, we're just, we're thrilled to be here uh, and see all the, the smiling, happy faces, and if you, if you didn't miss us, don't worry, we'll be gone this week, so that's fine. Uh, God bless you, God bless us all, everyone. Okay, um, so I don't know if you have ever been the outsider. Has anyone ever been the outsider before? Uh, yeah, yeah, we, when we moved here uh, a few years back, we were definitely the outsider. Uh, I had the name Bradshaw, so that worked pretty well in Pittsburgh world, um, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, we were definitely the outsider, and uh, I-, I get that. Uh, I've experienced that a few times in my life. On the outside, looking in, not being comfortable, maybe not even feeling welcome. That's not what we felt here. But maybe not even feeling welcome. Sometimes we are that outside person. Uh, I can relate to that fully. Uh, once I was in a theater, the movie was about to begin, and I had to have a quick restroom break. Anybody ever done that before? It's like, oh. Good, got a couple minutes here. All right, so, so I run, I go in the restroom, I pick a stall, I sit down. Sorry, too much information. I sit down real quickly, and I'm finishing up real quickly, and then all of a sudden I hear ladies' voices. And I was like, oh, no. And here I am, and, and it was like one of those where it was empty when I went in there, but now a movie just let out, and... Now it's filling quickly. And I'm like, okay, this... And then I flash back to when I walk in, I was like, yeah, there were no urinals. This was all... This was all seats. So what's your exit strategy, right? Like, what do you do? So I finish up. I, I kind of like got, a, you know, one of those... Just threw the door open, went and washed my hands. And the lady next to me looked at me. And I said, sorry, wrong room. And just went out. I was the outsider. I did not belong in there. (laughs) I remember being a sophomore in high school, and they started a men's chorus at my school, Waynesville High School in Waynesville, Missouri, right next to a military base, very ethnically diverse. Uh, Well, I guess you could say it wasn't, because they started a men's chorus. There were 30 to 40 men or young men in that chorus. I was the only white dude. I don't know if that's diversity or not. Uh, I was the only white guy in that all men's chorus, and so I was definitely the outsider of that setting. I'm just one of the guys, sort of. Anyway, um, I remember uh, when I was at my five-year class reunion in high school, Anybody remember those, those reunion moments? Did you ever go to those? So it was, it was good. I was a newbie at my high school. I went, only went to that high school for two years. And so I was always the outsider. But then we went back for the five-year reunion. And everybody was partying it up. They were having a great time. It was like we were stuck in a frat house is what it felt like, right? And everybody there was, uh, I mean, it was like, it's, I didn't know if they were allowed to drink otherwise, but they just felt like this was the day, you know? And they had like a can in this hand and a can stacked on top of it popped open with a cigar here and a cigarette here and a can here and a bottle in their pocket. And it was just like, as much of this as I can get into me, we're doing this right now, right? And so they're just having reunion, right? This is like high school all over again for them. And so, not for me. And so we're talking and we're like, yeah, where are you, where are you going, man? Oh, well, I'm going to school over at SEMO. We're working at the dealership. here And they're like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm a youth pastor. And they were like oh, that's cool, man, that's really cool, awesome, that's good for you, hey, I'll see you later, Yeah, I was definitely the outsider, I get the outside thing, I've known that, I've sensed that, maybe I relate all too well, uh, seven different schools that I went to from first through twelfth grade, so I was always the new kid, I get that, I was four foot 11, 95 pounds trying to play football in high school, so picture that, that's a good one, um, you probably have a story, too. You probably got a moment where, where you were on the outside looking in, where, where, where nobody was doing anything to help it or fix it. Uh, you maybe felt self-conscious, feeling unwanted or, and helpless to do anything about it. How do you fix this? How do you change this? You can't be an insider when you're not. It just, it, you can't do that yourself. You have to be brought in, and it, it's a difficult moment. So you're probably not alone when you feel like the outsider, in fact, you might fit right in. The Gospel of Luke uh, is, is, a, is exactly what we need to understand about being the outsider. Uh, the Bible that we have today, uh, this, this God Jehovah that we worship, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Savior of the world, the Son of God Almighty, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, all these titles, all these names, that is all something very that we are not, okay? That is very something that we are not, and that is Jewish, right? Most of us. There might be some Jewish people among us. God bless you. Okay, sorry to exclude you. You are the insider. We're the outs. Anyway, but most of this, uh, we, we don't have a birthright to this story because God selected a chosen race of people to, to show his glory to the world and to, to, to interject his, his presence into the world and his redemptive story into the world. And, and he chose the Jewish race. The God of the Hebrews, the I Am, chose a select race as his people. They were identified and set apart as God's children. That's why we call them the children of Israel, not because they were all young in children's ministry, right? Uh, not because they were all young, but because they were in and we were not. We're on the outside. You are either a Jew or a Gentile. Those are the two human classifications if you're into biological divisions or whatever. Of the 66 books of the Bible, 64 of them are written by Jewish authors. This is a very Jewish thing we got invited to, right? Uh, the other two, the book of Luke and the book of Acts, were written by a Gentile, an outsider that was brought in. In fact, the gospel of Luke is the good news of Jesus Christ written by an outsider to outsiders. You know, there are certain things that you can say about people because you are one, right? There's certain things you can get away with. When you are one of that group, you can say stuff. When you're outside of that, you know, like men don't talk about anything to do with pregnancy. Just shut up. Just don't do it, right? You are out of your league. It's not going to happen, okay? You can can be a doctor. Shut up. Lady walks in and had one kid. She's a professional expert, right? She's done this and you haven't, so shut your pie hole. Okay. Um, When you are in on the inside of that, you can speak to that, and that's Luke's advantage when he writes his gospel. He is on the outside looking into the story of Jesus, this very Jewish story. His gospel isn't heavy on Jewish things like Matthew's gospel is. Matthew's writing as a Jew to a Jewish audience. Luke is not getting all that and his audience wouldn't get all that. And so he leaves that stuff out and he focuses on the gospel of Jesus to outsiders. Luke speaks good news to the lost, to the hurting, to the broken, to the downcast, the disenfranchised. We are them. That's who we are. Without Jesus, we are lost and apart from God. Jews had a way, but we did not, but Jesus opened the door for all of us, and Luke is standing there holding the door, waving us all in, waving us all in. This is for you too. You're beginning a series in the book of Acts, and the the Acts of the Apostles uh, starts next week. I'm excited for you guys. It's the only biblical narrative or recorded history of the early church after Jesus ascended to heaven. It lays out the purpose and the focus of the New Testament church, what we should look like as a church body. But it's inextricably connected to the gospel of Luke. It's tied in very closely together. Luke wrote both the gospel and the Acts with a crystal clear purpose. He reveals that purpose in the opening of each book. He gives us a quick introduction of each of those. Together, the two books create a handbook or a manual for the modern church to follow. I don't know if you like movies with sequels. Anybody into sequel movies? You can probably name a few of those. Uh, I'll say Star Wars for those who know I like Star Wars. You're expecting that probably? Yeah, okay. But you typically don't watch the second part of the movie before you watch the first one, right? Like, just go ahead and watch Star Wars Episode Four. And then just try to figure out who in the world these people are and why are they doing this, right? You don't know what's happening. You're lost. Father? Who's father? What? I don't get this. You don't understand what's happening because you didn't read the first part of the story. And Luke and Acts are very much a one-work book, a collection that, that flows directly. It's a straight-line story. It starts with the gospel, and he goes straight into the Acts of the Apostles in the early church. And it goes hand in glove together. If you're going to understand the gospel or the, the acts of the apostles, you need to get into the book of Luke and understand who he is. So we'll, we'll do that really quickly this morning. And yes, I'm going to preach nine months worth of messages right here, now. Get comfortable. They're, they're part one and part two of the New Testament church. And so let's read Luke's intro and see what he says about these books. That he's writing. First of all, he says, uh, this is Luke chapter 1, verse 1. I didn't give you time to get there because I'm going to put it right there so you can read along with me. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. I've got three questions to answer today what, why, and how. What is this book of Luke? Why did Luke write it? And how does this affect us? It's going to be quick, hopefully. All right. I ask these questions because it, it, it's what Luke is saying in this introduction. As he, as he reveals what he's about to talk about, he tells us what's going on. What is this book of Luke? In biblical times, something called oral, oral tradition was very reliable. It was uh, incredibly trustworthy. Uh, studies of ancient texts and scrolls reveal incredible accuracy was retained by verbal sharing. They would literally speak that and they would have it shared verbally and people would know that and recognize that and they would share that verbatim to to the T. But the weight of proof falls on recorded history, not just verbal sharing. Luke refers to many others who are trying to draw up or write down the story of Jesus. There's other gospel writers, there's other stories, and outside of the ones we have in our canonical in the New Testament, there are other accounts of trying to keep track of what Jesus said and did. Luke was a, uh, was a staggered generation off, about half a generation off as eyewitnesses aged. He was able to do some study and go and interview these people and get information. That's why I did the little book thing there. You got the, the, the papers and the studies of stuff where, where he's actually walking this out. He's going and talking to people who saw Jesus do this. He, he's that bridge generation, right, where he wasn't there when that thing happened, but he's talking to people who were, and he's passing it on to people who weren't there either so he gets to do that, and he's, he's, he's done his homework. He's done his legwork on this. He's chased this out. Verse 3 says, he carefully investigated the situation, literally documenting and interviewing those who were firsthand eyewitnesses. We know from related sources that Luke was a doctor. He was a physician. We know he was educated and skilled linguistically. As his gospel is written at a scholarly level. We know that he traveled with the Apostle Paul as the book of Acts becomes we in the later chapters. It goes from they to we started doing this. He was traveling with them. We know he was not Jewish and that he was writing to non-Jewish believers. He was worried about the outsiders. Isn't that shocking? Because he was one himself. He addressed the book to most excellent Theophilus, a Greek name that had some weight to it, perhaps a sponsor, someone that that commissioned him to this project, uh, but more likely it was just a question-filled outsider, likely a real person, but it was actually implied to the rest of us to speak to all those outside the Jewish circle. So what is this book? This book is an orderly account. Uh, A thorough investigation of the eyewitnesses and facts and evidence and information surrounding Jesus. This orderly account's pretty cool because it it isn't just trying to record a journal of events. He isn't even worried about chronological order. That's kind of weird, right? When you're telling a story. Luke isn't even worried about chronological order. That's why when you compare them side by side with other gospels, sometimes the events happen in different timings. Luke literally organized his orderly account so that you would get themes as he was talking. When Jesus hit a theme, Luke would take those parables and often lump them together, even though he told one over here, one over there, and one down here, he would put those together so you would get that theme, that ministry of Jesus and concept of what he's trying to drive home. Oftentimes, people try to use that as as an excuse that the gospels are inaccurate, but you see very clearly what he does is he grouped his material because it's an orderly documentary account. So he put those pieces together so they could catch the themes and realize what Jesus is heavy on, what Jesus is majoring on, and what he's centered about with his gospel and with his message. Uh, at times, it's very topical with similar subject and themes just grouped together. Uh, it, it's double-checked doctoral thesis on what Jesus said and did is what we're talking about here. In case you didn't know, the uh, read the beginning of the book of Acts. The gospel of Luke is the beginning and Acts is the conclusion. Uh, One-fourth of the New Testament is written by Luke in these two books. So that's what Luke did here. He recorded an orderly account of the gospel for outsiders. Now, why? Verse 4 is the clearly stated answer. And you look at verse 4, it says this, so that you may know with certainty or the certainty of the things you have been taught. You've been told these traditions, you've been told these stories of Jesus, you've been brought through these things, and he wants you to know with certainty, not just, yeah, I heard a guy tell me once, or I heard this happened, or I heard it was this. Well, no, I heard it was this. He kicked over a block. No, he kicked over a wall. No, he kicked over a building, you know, that kind of thing. That's what happens in our day. And so he wants you to know with certainty what happened, not just what hearsay or what legend has grown around. He wants to know the detail and the, the specifics, and so he gathered that information. He writes so his fellow outsiders don't get shuffled out of this Jewish thing that's going on. If you read Luke's gospel, you'll find that all the time he is including the people who don't belong in society. He's talking about the sick. He's talking about the leper. He, he deals in, this is, this is not a popular message in our day, but in their culture, women did not rate very highly. I'm sorry. It's just what it was. I'm not saying it's right. And praise God, uh, my, the queen of my castle knows this is the deal, right? But we love our women, right? But the the uh, in their day, in biblical times, you know, they did not value uh, ladies. It just was not done. And so all the stories about ladies in the gospel, you find Luke is bringing them in just all over the place. He doesn't even bring just ladies. He brings uh, widows, and he brings uh, uh, people from other races, and brings them into the gospel story. They have no business in this Jewish gospel. Jews wouldn't even talk to them. And Luke's like, look at this, he brought them in. They belong here. Luke is tying this story together because you and I have to understand that just as much as we didn't belong, but now we do, everybody else belongs as well. The church is dangerously close. We have to be careful because we can turn it into all facing this direction, Worried about us and God. And when you found Jesus, you found him, right? And you're right with God now, right? Now turn around and go tell somebody else about it. Don't tell us you're not fed. That's picky eaters. You know what? Picky eaters eat when they get real hungry. Get real hungry. Let's get hungry for the presence of God. And then it'll take us and it'll turn us around. We'll get God's heartbeat and then we'll realize how many other people need this gospel that we got too that we were a part of. I went off notes, sorry. Honestly, you would have a tough time including yourself if you weren't in this Jewish gospel. And Luke knows that, he feels that, he is that, he understands. But he also knows that Jesus didn't just live and die just for Jewish people. He lived and died and rose again for all people. Many in our modern world hate the church they hate organized religion they pick at it they poke holes in it they're on the outside and they don't even want in that's not just in pennsylvania it happens in missouri as well it's a human problem because we start to find the things wrong with it so that we can justify why we're on the outside of it and then we own that and now we're just we've we've pigeonholed ourselves into a broken relationship and people have done that with the gospel they've done that with church it's a very typical response to being on the outside when you're an outsider, right, you, you find what's wrong with it. Well, they don't even, bleh, pff, I don't even want to be in that. Forget that. Look what they did over there. I don't even like that either. That's not me. Pff, I don't even need them. You want to come inside? Sure, sure, sure. Right. The, that's the ask that we're missing though, isn't it? They're on the outside going, the church is messed up, the church is all about this, and the church is burdened down with all this stuff, and they're buying buildings, and they're spending all their money on this and that. And, and we're going, no, 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 that's not what the church is about. But they're not hearing that. We've got to make sure we get that ask. We've got to make sure we turn to the outside so that they know what the church is really about. Because it's not about misunderstanding. It's not about assumptions and partial truths and tangents. Those are tools of the enemy that are keeping people from this good news only twisted and partial facts or simple lies. Whatever it takes, that's what the enemy will do. And Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, not today, devil, not today. No, I'm going to set the record straight. They all belong here. Everybody belongs here, in this place, in this kingdom. It's not a legend or a myth, it's truth. Who makes up a story of a hero killed by his own people? who makes that story up and shares it as the truth and as, a, as the way it ought to be. But that's the gospel. It's got to be true. So we don't get defensive or cynical. You may feel like the outsider, but Jesus has brought us in. So, so Luke has written this outsider's gospel to give us certainty about what really happened. The final question, how does this affect us? And what's this got to do with me? These books have been around a long time. I've maybe even read them before. I'm like, so what, Pastor? That's where the gospel ends and the acts of the apostles begin. So the gospel is setting up, he's training, the growth and the training of the disciples is completed in the gospels. When Jesus dies, he's resurrected and he launches them out. He sends them on, he gives them the great commission and then he leaves the scene and then it transitions to the book of Acts and that's what the church is, that's how it's supposed to affect us. The gospel of Luke becomes in us the acts of the apostles, which is us. Us, not just them. They showed us how we carry the mantle, we pick it up, we run with it. That's what our response is. We are first hand witnesses of the grace and goodness of God in our own lives. Our purpose is defined by the example of the early church in the book of Acts. It's the template for God's holy church, and that includes you and it includes me. I'm so excited for this church. Yeah. You don't just put yourself five years and just, oh, that was just a season. It was a season, but it was amazing. But our hearts are linked and the smiles and the hugs and everything, the welcome home has been fun. It's been awesome. And I'm excited for this church to recapture again and again and fresh. I'm not saying it's been completely lost. I'm saying the church has to be awakened we have, to be, we have to be aware of what it really is all about. I have a great church in, in, in Independence, Missouri, but if we're not careful, church can get very churched. If we're not intentional as leaders, church can become very much about church, and we need a new something. Yeah, it's necessary, and I, we, have, we have property. Lord, help us. Don't buy property. We have rental units. I'm like a landlord. It just... It's crazy. That's not what we're about. The church is about the kingdom. Yeah. And so there's certain physical attributes. There's facilities. There's, there's maintenance. There's upkeeps. There's things that are, that are part and parcel with that. But I know your leadership and Pastor Kurt, I know the team that's involved here, they are centering this church on the book of Acts and what it's really all about. It's all about this gospel. It's all about everyone belongs in this kingdom. And we've got to get up off of our pew, our seat, whatever it is we sit on. And we've got to make sure that we turn our attention to the lost outsiders around us. This was a a passion in my heart when God brought us here. God spoke to my heart about uh, a season of ministry. We were in Springfield, Missouri, for twelve years. Uh, we loved it there. We loved the pastor there. We had it was it was he, he was Mr. Pentecost. That's our pastor Moran in Springfield. He's like it's a Pentecostal church, and he does everything's that right. And and long altar calls and times in prayer times. As a pastoral staff, I was laying at the altar like, wow, how long have we been here? Wow, he's still going. Are we going to dismiss this week or what? You know, like long stuff, right? And it began to challenge me, and I shared this with some of the guys on the staff here when we came, because it was like, how close do we need to get to God before it affects what we do out there? How, how much more of Jesus do I need until it starts pouring out of me? I've got to be filled to overflowing, right? But if I just spend all my time here at the altar, I might as well go to heaven, right? Right? I mean, it's kind of a joke, but it's legit. We've got to realize that God is filling us with a power and a purpose the moment they were filled. I'm not stealing thunder here. Maybe I am. But the moment they're filled with the Holy Spirit, what do they do? They they turn around. So we can have all the power and the presence of God in our lives, and it's amazing, and it's what it's for. But what it's for is to go and speak something truthfully to the world around us. To tell the gospel message. To share it with somebody else. We all belong in this kingdom. I know Pastor Kurt's heart for pure and simple gospel. I know his desire to declutter the mission and lead this church to its full potential. And the church is dangerously close. I had a couple mental images I wanted to share with you. Much like a race car strapped to one of those RV trailers. Right? You got like an Indy car running like 10,000 RPM, just going 200, or it wants to go 200, but it's got an RV trailer on it, right? And then behind that, it's towing the other car that just go around in town in, right? And that's what the church can become. We've attached too many things to the simple gospel of Jesus Christ died for sinners of which I'm the worst. And we all belong here. Everybody belongs in this kingdom. They're not going to do it exactly like me. If you go, if you go to Spain, they're going to do it differently. You go to China, they're going to do it differently. It's going to have the same principles of the gospel of truth and love and God, but it's going to it's going to practice differently. And so we've got to recognize that. We've got to understand that. It, the same thing like a thoroughbred horse that's strapped to one of the Amish buggies that you see toting around. Like this, just Kentucky Derby champion has got a buggy behind it. You know, the one wheel wobbles. It's crazy to think that that's what we can do to the church if we are not intentional, if we are not careful, if we are not missional as a church. We've got to be on purpose. If it's not about souls, then why are we doing it? And when you go to a church that's been around since 59 and everybody there has been there since 59, we had to come in and I literally, I shared this with them and let me share it with you and you take, if it applies, wear it. And if it doesn't, just, you know, whatever, that's fine. But I shared with the church as we interviewed with them, I said, well, you can have church exactly the way you've always done it and do what you've always done and it will die with you. It'll die with you. They'll close the doors. We've seen it happen, right? Just, the last member dies, they lock up the place and it's an empty building until the bank or somebody comes and does something with it. We've got to make sure that we pass this thing along. We've got to make sure that this is about somebody else. The gospel is never about me, it's about me sharing with somebody else. So as the outsider is now in, even a Gentile author now has a couple books in the Bible. As you read and study and as you preach and as you discuss all this, the one that's far away, the outcast, the marginalized, the scum, both the high and the low, we tend to think of the down and out. What about the up and outers as well? There's people who are miserable in their wealth. Because they don't have Christ. They don't have what this is really all about. Everyone belongs in this kingdom. So Luke wrote an orderly account of the gospel of Jesus for us outsiders. He did it so you and I can be certain that we all belong in this kingdom. And we who are inside must turn our attention outside. I'd like to offer salvation to you today. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, That's what this is all about. That's why this building is here. That's why these facilities are owned. That's why we have a Christian school over there. That's why you've got the properties. And that's why the Student Center, the Rock Student Center, I love that place. Uh, That's why all of this exists. It's for the kingdom. It's so that you can walk in here and be ushered into a relationship with Jesus Christ and then be discipled and become like Jesus and then go turn around and tell somebody else about that. That's what the church has to stay focused on. Go deeper club is not, not really helpful for the kingdom sometimes. I don't know if God's impressed with the depths of my theology, theological discussions. You think he's impressed sometimes? Let's talk about when he's going to come back. Let's argue about that for a few books. Just be ready. Just be in a hurry to get every soul in here that you can. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, today is the day. You're experiencing life less than what it should be. You're experiencing a life that is altered from what it was designed to, and that's to glorify God, to be in relationship with him and to be in right relationship with other people. But he can restore that today. If we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says we will be saved. We begin a relationship with him. We begin a walk with him. That changes our very lives. So I want to give that opportunity to you today. If you're here and you say, Pastor Steve, I don't know Jesus, but but I realize that I'm missing something. My life is messed up. I've tried it my way. <laughs> I've tried to figure this thing out on my own and I realize it's not working. The trail of brokenness. The the Bible tells us clearly that the wages of sin are death, the paycheck, the result, the outcome of sin is death. It's death to relationships. It's death to to business. It's death to everything in your life. It's death physically and spiritually. But Jesus has come to give us life and life to the fullest. It's not a problem-free life but it's a life that has purposes and answers instead of darkness and emptiness. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm gonna ask everyone to bow your heads. Just give a little moment for people to respond and don't get too comfortable. You're like, oh, I'm already saved. I'm off the hook. No, we're coming for you in a minute. Salvation is where it begins. Pastor Steve, I need Jesus Christ in my life. Pastor Todd's helping me watch, got eyes on us. And if if you need Jesus Christ, you need forgiveness of sins, you wanna begin or walk with Jesus today, we just ask you to raise your hand and make eye contact with me so that we can make sure we've got everybody. And and what we'll do is Pastor Todd and the pastoral team will pray with you as we finish out service uh, when we're done. So we're not gonna call you out. We're not gonna make you stand up or do anything. We just want you to make a decision today. If you're not following Christ, today is the day of salvation today's the best, best life possible is lined up for you to begin right now. So if you're here, just raise your hand and say, Pastor Steve, I, I, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Anybody here? Anybody here? This is your moment. This is an opportunity that God, that, that God sent his son for so that we could begin this relationship and walk it out with him. Anybody here? Of time. This is what we're all about. There's no hurry. Anybody here? You ever see a hand? Yes. All right. God bless you. Here. God bless you. Anybody else? Souls coming to Christ today, right now. Anybody else? If I could have your attention again, everybody look back up with me. We'll pray with those who raise their hands in just a few moments. But now I wanna talk to the insiders. We've been brought in, right? We've been brought into this precious gospel, this glorious kingdom that we'd have no, no deserving of it on our own. But God loves us that much. Completely his grace, right? Completely his doing. And all we do is respond and receive and say, thank you, God. But if, like any good cure, if we kept it to ourselves, did we really get it in the first place? Do we really understand what this is about? I want to challenge us, those who are part of Central, those who are in a relationship with God. Maybe you're here visiting. Maybe you go here all the time. I honestly can't remember everybody's faces and names. There's a lot of new people here too. Praise God. That's good. But I want to challenge you as an insider, as somebody who knows Jesus personally, we have to make sure that our attention is turned outside. We can have a hundred nights of services in a row and all get closer and closer to Jesus, but if it doesn't result in somebody else hearing the gospel, we might as well have gone to heaven and been done with our time, right? Right? We're only going to know him fully there anyway. I've got to make sure that as many other people come along with us as I possibly can. I've got to turn my attention to my neighbor, Maybe, maybe to the seat next to me here in the service today, maybe to the driveway that you pull in next to and you go in the garage and you never see those people. Figure out a way. Maybe God has placed you there. My wife has a wonderful story a few weeks ago of some lady that we've met at Chipotle because we like Chipotle. We go there every Thursday. It's our lunch date. And we met her there. And then my wife ran into her at Sam's Club and just, hey, you, hey, where are you, why are you guys? Are a, you're not at Chipotle. Well, you're not either. What's going on? Yeah, like we'll have to live there. I don't know. But but it was poor. They were about to leave the store and God sent a rainstorm. You're like, well, that's kind of super spiritual. Well, no, it like was pouring, and Brooke said, I'm not loading the car up in that. I'm going to eat lunch. And so she had the kids with her, so they went over, and they go to the counter, and they get lunch, and guess who's at the counter? This lady that we met at Chipotle. And they're like, hey, and then Brooke starts to walk away, and she's like, you know what? God just quickened her heart to, to give her an invitation to church. Said, hey, we're pastors over at Central. We'd love for you to come to church with us sometime. And then They went over and as they sat down to eat, they hadn't even started eating yet, looked outside and the rain's done. Somebody needed inviting. You you may think that's crazy, but I I just believe God works that way. She needed inviting. She's an outsider that needed to be invited in. And whatever God wants to do to help us understand that, I pray that we're willing for that. And whatever we need to do to turn our attention to those outside, I pray that we're willing to do that too. I'm gonna ask you to do something a little bit unorthodox here at the end. I know this is gonna be crazy because you're gonna get to see, well, those of you who are in the front, you're gonna get to see who else came to church today. That's okay. But here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna live this out. If you'd stand with me, I wanna just give us a chance. We're gonna, I don't want you to feel like we're dismissing yet because I was told you guys to go till 1230 still. So, Uh, no, but I wanna invite you to a a quick season of prayer. Can we do that? Just a, a handful of minutes of focused prayer. And the way we're gonna really enact this is I want you to just go ahead, this is weird, and turn around. Oh, it's so awkward. It's so strange. We don't, look at the backs of their heads. It's weird, isn't it? No, but what I want you to do is realize we've gotta turn from the inside and we've gotta turn our attention outward. We've gotta get our eyes focused on the harvest. It's white unto harvest. The fields are ripe, they are ready. Souls need salvation, lives need changing. Jesus needs to deliver people, and you and I have the message. We have the answer, we have the good news, we have the gospel. So I wanna invite you to take a moment and say, God, what can you do through me for those that are right in front of me, right outside those doors? And let's begin to pray, let's begin to turn our hearts to God. God, what can you do in this moment? Go ahead and lift up a prayer to the Lord. God, do you wanna send me somewhere? God, do I need to be attentive to where you placed me? God, is this new job that you've given me, is this so, just for the sole reason of winning someone over to to the kingdom? This neighbor that's nearby, this person that I met the other day at the store, God, do I need to stop looking down at my phone so much and start looking up at the faces and the eyes and the souls that are surrounding me? Am I aware of the people that you put in my path, Lord? The outsiders that need to be brought in, they need you, Lord. They need salvation, They need deliverance. They need healing. And we have the answers. We have this gospel. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Father God, speak to us. Put faces in front of our eyeballs today, Lord. Put names on our hearts today, Lord, of people that need to be brought into this kingdom. Many and most of us have found you as Savior and Lord, and we praise and glorify you. But Lord, we know there are many, many more that need this same gospel. Help everything this church does, everything every soul in this building does, let it be centered around this gospel to be shared with those around us. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this orderly account. We thank you for bringing us all into this kingdom. Let us not assume that it just meant me. It means everyone. Everyone. Have your way in our lives. Guide us, direct us by the power of your Holy Spirit so that we have the words to say, the settings to say them, that you have ordained and set forth. And we will give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.